I mean, there's 300 million Americans and, you know, how many percentage are babies? Like just right yeah. off, you know, 20% of that. And, right. you know, that's like one in every like three, you know, <laughs> man, yeah. woman or child in the U.S. is watching the Super Bowl. So it's it's crazy. guys, welcome to Product Explain, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Jeff, do you remember the days before social media and how much mileage we would get with a single piece of content, like a Super Bowl ad with our friends? Now it's all about micro content, man. Check out my 24-hour exploding story about the fast food lunch they purchased today. In today's episode, we're talking about Super Bowl ads. So I'm not going to explain this one too much, Mike, but I'll totally let you do that. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a different episode. We're going a little bit off script per se from our, our traditional episode in Product Explained. So definitely bear with us. But with the Super Bowl coming up, we really wanted to just break down the mechanics of Super Bowl ads. So first, we can quickly talk about what the Super Bowl is for those that might not know um, what the Super Bowl is, or you might be from a, a different country listening in. But this uh, game is the final game for the NFL or the National Football League that determines the year's champion out of all the 32 teams that are playing. So uh, it's a really big deal. Jeff and I are both massive NFL fans. Jeff's an Atlanta Falcons fan. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. And so have the Falcons won a Super Bowl before, Jeff? No, we've been to two. Oh, and uh, two. Yeah, we're, we're 0 and 4 here in, in Buffalo Bills Mafia land. So <laughs> I feel your pain. <laughs> but this game is a really big deal in the U.S. It's watched by a ton of people. A uh, hundred million Americans every single year tune in. Uh, the game typically happens around February. It's like the second or third week, maybe the first week um, after these 32 teams play a, a playoff. Uh, so um, looking at, you know, the NFL as a whole or the National Football League, it's a huge money making machine. So the NFL takes in about nine point eight billion dollars every year in national revenue. So. This revenue, this $9.8 billion, is then split among all the 32 teams, and a large portion of this revenue is media rights. So what this means is that the NFL is actually just selling the right to broadcast their games to different sports networks or TV networks. Uh, so for example, one of the most recent deals is the NFL actually sold Thursday night football rights to Amazon for $1 billion annually for 11 years. So Amazon is signing up for at least an $11 billion commitment. I'm sure there's opt-out clauses and all that, but that's wild to me, man. It's like, yeah. you know, it's literally only one game per week for 15 weeks. And, you know, typically the NFL starts in, you know, late August, early September through January. And so Amazon's paying $67 million for each game. So that's a lot of revenue that they need to make back up, or at least that they're expecting to make back up by buying these rights for a billion dollars. And so if you, if you think about this front on a per team basis, Amazon is essentially paying each team $2 million every single week which is a wild thing to, to think about. So going back to the Super Bowl, so I wanted to set that context with the NFL and like the media rights and how it all works because 
um, just setting the economics for this. And so, you know, here in Product Explained, we always talk about like, quote unquote, eyeball products. Like those are typically social media networks that are their whole business model is driving ad revenue. And that's what the Super Bowl is. And essentially what the NFL is, it's just, you know, taking in all these uh, folks that are listen- watching and listening, the 100 million Americans that are watching the Super Bowl and, and turning that into ad revenue. So um, going to the mechanics of the Super Bowl, the game is about three to four hours of televised time. Um, and likely you'll see about 45 minutes of advertisements. So the way that, you know, historical um, or the way that the industry has shaped out to be is they sell 30 second advertising spots. So that was 45 minutes turns out to be about 90 different ads that companies can sell. So this year's Super Bowl is uh, going to be hosted by NBC and they were able to auction off spots for advertising for $7 million per slot. That's insane to me, <laughs> like $7 million for 30 seconds. So imagine you're like, you know, some small company and uh, granted, this is, there's no small companies doing Super Bowl ads yeah. as, as an anecdote, but there's some small company and you want to make a big splash and you say like, let's take our $7 million and we'll spend 30 seconds and that's all we'll get. But we know that a hundred million Americans will see it. So anyways, like this puts the maximum cap of NBC's revenue at somewhere around $630 million in advertising that they're going to get. So now like the economics of like, you know, paying a billion dollars a year for <laughs> streaming rights makes a lot more sense when you're, when a single game can bring in $500 million mm-hmm. to $630 million. But yeah, to, to sum up Super Bowl ads in a nutshell is it's essentially um, the NFL has just seg- are selling the right to, to watch and broadcast the game the uh, broadcaster that is then selling the right to advertise on said game uh, to different viewers. And then you, the viewer, are are watching these. So I have it written down here is that the business model here is just Boku bucks from advertising. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard a lot of folks say that even in other countries, like the one thing that they tune into is the Super Bowl. Like they don't know anything about the NFL, but they just like watch that one one game because they know it's like a big deal. And uh, I'm surprised that Super Bowl Monday isn't a national holiday quite yet. So. Totally. I, I did see that there's a, a couple of things. Like there's a petition to move the Super Bowl to a Saturday. I, I don't know if that'll ever actualize. I think that it's more likely that Americans would demand a day off on yeah. Monday. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> since, we, since we don't get days off or anything else, <laughs> we, I can totally see us Americans as a whole collective taking a, a Monday off for the Super Bowl. Totally. And to talk about the history of the product, I mean, this is a like, as Mike mentioned, kind of atypical. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to talk about a couple different Super Bowl commercials throughout the years. First, I'm going to chat about a Super Bowl ad in 1970 where Chicago Bear linebacker Dick Butkus endorsed Prestone, which was a brand of antifreeze. And his tagline was, because plugging holes is my business. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Just the tagline central for the Super Bowl, man. And I think Super Bowl ads in general have always been like tongue in cheek or like, you know, know, absurdist humor or, you know, it's that kind of audience that are watching the Super Bowl in general. So you usually see Super Bowl um, ads kind of air on that side. Sometimes you get more inspirational Super Bowls, especially I think we had a lot more during 2020. Well, I guess like 2021 Super Bowl and COVID. But yeah, usually you get something pretty humorous and, and jokey on that side. I definitely feel like there's like a category, like uh, or different, like mm-hmm. a couple different categories, Super Bowl ads. I can't think of like all of them, but I'm thinking there's like the super funny tongue in cheek ones. There's the ones that just aren't good and i don't know if it's on purpose <laughs> to, to because they know they have people's attentions they have to be be differentiated and then there's some like you know touchy-feely ones where it's like oh like you know just go for the heartstrings but i don't know if you see other 
you know, broad categories there. Yeah, I mean, it's open-ended, right? You can kind of submit any Super Bowl ad that you want. There is like a committee that chooses a Super Bowl, so they kind of have this funny factor. It's got to be you know, interesting enough, or maybe you just pay more money to get uh, a Super Bowl ad in, but you know, they've missed on that. There's definitely been some bad Super Bowl commercials that we'll, we'll chat about as well. Another ad that aired in 1977 was Xerox, who's famous for printer machines and copiers. They ran an ad called Monks, where Jack Eagle starred as Brother Dominic, who is a monk that discovered he can create copies of a manuscript using a Xerox photocopier, which I think is hilarious. The whole premise there, obviously, is that, and I hate to explain the joke, but that, you know, monks like hand copy these (laughs) these manuscripts. Um, Just real quick on that. I think it's so funny that now we have to explain what a Xerox is. When before it was just like, that was like the, you know, tissues versus Kleenex. It was just the brand name became the actual activity is making Xeroxes. Yeah, exactly. Masterlock had a series of ads called Tough Under Fire, which was a concept that you couldn't breach a a Masterlock with a gun, usually like a pistol. So basically you're saying you could shoot it and you would be able to get into the lock. I think marketing was worried that people would try it like this stunt with like, you know, don't try this at home sort of thing. So they proposed to do an ad series with rifles instead because they're expecting that less people would have rifles. But I don't think they probably changed much. <laughs> My guess is that people were trying to like break this thing using a pistol anyways. And you see it in like pop culture and movies and stuff where people will shoot locks off. And I bet I, I'm willing to bet that there was an episode of Mythbusters around this exact same thing about, you know, how often can you shoot locks um, and get them to break. Budweiser is a, you know, a company that has sponsored a lot of Super Bowl ads. I think they've been in pretty much every one. They're most famous for having Clydesdales, which is a type of horse in their commercials are these really large, like gigantic horses. And they had a long term contract with the NFL to buy a ton of slots of airtime at a steep discount. And that contract ran through Super Bowl 50. So that probably explains why you see so many Budweiser ads. Not that I think that Budweiser is going to stop promoting their product with the NFL. It's always been like, you know, fear in NFL always, has always kind yeah. of gone like hand in hand. But specifically for the Super Bowl, they had bought in bulk, if you will, which I thought was a really smart idea. That's really interesting. And like, I'm, I'm sure it was a really hard sell. Like imagine you're in the marketing department of like in like 1980 or maybe like 1970, whenever Budweiser made this deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you're like, hey, like, wait a second, let's make a 30 year deal where we're going to spend this. And it, it probably was like an outrageous amount of money back then. But mm-hmm. looking at like, you know, $7 million now is like, <laughs> it's 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 crazy. And I would have loved to make that deal. So yeah, that's super totally. interesting. So while this last one or this next one isn't exactly a Super Bowl ad, it's famous and very well associated with the Super Bowl, which is Disney, where they used to pay for players usually on the winning team and usually the MVP to say, you know, what are you doing next? What are you doing after the Super Bowl? And they're going to say, I'm going to Disney World. So usually run as an ad or, you know, a small clip after they had won the game. So something else I thought was kind of interesting in the advertising space related to the Super Bowl that, you know, may or may not show up during the Super Bowl itself. Athlon Sports ranked a bunch of different ads. The top three ads they had ranked all time which are ones that I think most people, at least of our age, <laughs> have recognized. <laughs> right. Number three is Wendy's Where's the Beef commercial. So it's kind of like ingrained in pop culture now. There's this, you know, a couple old ladies that are buying a hamburger and it's a gigantic bun and a small piece of a small patty. Uh, so that was one commercial. The second one was uh, a commercial titled 1984. And if you read the book by George Orwell, then basically it's like this dystopian future where everyone's like, you know, following Big Brother, which is, you know, basically there's like this anti-technology movement. 
and where they said like, oh, you could break that mold by purchasing an Apple. Apple at the time was, or specifically Macintosh, Apple at the time was pushing for personal desktops, personal computing, and then this was like their way of getting people interested in the brand and things like that. This actually, I think, won some awards and interestingly enough was directed by Ridley Scott. So I didn't oh, know wow. this about the commercial. No, um, Ridley either. Scott's obviously well known now as a, a very popular director. But yeah, this was this was totally up there. And then the number one ad uh, that they ranked was called Hey Kid Catch, which was a marketing campaign by Coca-Cola, where basically some youngster comes up with a glass bottle of Coke and says, hey, you know, and they, they give them the Coke, usually the player, some MVP or some some well-known player. The player cracks open the bottle, drinks the Coke, and then in exchange says, hey, kid, catch, and then gives the kid the jersey. So that was also a well-known thing. Like, hey, you know, this is my hero. I'm I'm providing him something by giving him Coca-Cola. And then in exchange, I get something awesome, which is a game-worn jersey. Yeah, t- totally. I, I think like with, with, with that ad too, like it's, it feels spot on with Coca-Cola's brand. Coca-Cola's brand is happiness. It's not actually Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just like, you know, it, you, you think just happiness and you think like anything from like their Santa ads and like the polar bears during Christmas yep. time or, you know, this like, hey kid, catch where it's just, they, they picked for that ad. It was this football player, Mean Joe Green. So he was just notorious mm-hmm. for just being like an SOB on the field and just yeah. like really hard nose. And so they, they just humanized him with a Coca-Cola. So I thought it was also beautiful on like Coke's like perspective of just so, so many different dynamics there. But yeah, like I love that. And, and also with the 1984 ad, it's funny you mentioned that they wanted to have that as breaking out of the mold. And now they have like, you know, record profits and like they're like one of the biggest if not the biggest company in the world at any given time and everyone has an iphone except for me i'm team android so i will will maintain team android but it's it's funny how that kind of feels like it kicked it off yeah well i think the big thing that they really kicked off was the think different campaign which Mm. was a a really big slogan of uh, macintosh apple for you know quite some time so yeah i think that's where you're absolutely right now they're mainstream but at the time they were the underdogs right like there was all these other competitors in the space like Microsoft, et cetera, that they're really trying to fight uphill against. The IBMs of the world. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Lastly, I'll mention that NBC's live telecast of Super Bowl 49 in 2015 held the record for the largest average viewership of any single network U.S. television broadcast with 114.4 million viewers. We'll talk in a little bit about the competitors, but the Super Bowl dominates this list of like records for viewership, specifically in the U.S. Yeah, that's an insane amount. That's like, I mean, there's 300 million Americans and, you know, how many percentage are babies? Like just right off, you know, 20% of that. And, you know, that's like one in every like three, you know, (laughs) man, woman or child in the U.S. is watching the Super Bowl. So it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's just like there's a whole like... And it's, it's, and it's an event, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's like you, my friends that aren't even interested in football would be like, hey, like, what are we doing for the Super Bowl this year? I'm like, where have you been for the past, like, 18 weeks of like, the yeah. NFL season? So it's, it, it is funny to see how just massive and big it is. And do you have actually a question for you, Jeff? What's your favorite Super Bowl memory? Like, I don't know if you have one. And you, and you can't t- like. It's only pain. Touche. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just really enjoy every year getting together with a bunch of folks. Like it's it's an excuse for people, especially non-NFL fans, to hang out. It's kind of like another Thanksgiving, but you know, the game comes on, people like the commercials and they can empathize with them even if they're not NFL fans. 
and then all the party favors. I'm pretty sure Super Bowl sells like an insane amount of chicken wings across <laughs> the... Like, I'd be curious if 4th of July or Super Bowl sells more chicken wings like as an event. I think if you ever try to go to get wings around 4th of July, it's also super hard. But yeah, chicken wings is like one of those things. Any sort of like dip or appetizer, like all those things get like sold out super, super early. Uh, people are trying to host Super Bowl parties and get all of a million bottles of two liter soda and like all the beers that they want to drink and all these like different snacks and food. So yeah, it's like a, it is like a second Thanksgiving essentially in the U S totally. And, and I think that's like my favorite memory of uh, the Super Bowl as well. I almost said my favorite memory of Thanksgiving. It, it feels like the junk food version <laughs> of Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, at least in like our like household or my family, like the TV is always on in the background for during Thanksgiving when there's a football game going on, but it's not the main attraction and you have like mm-hmm. a properly cooked meal. But now like with the Super Bowl, it's just going to be like how many like appetizers and sliders and like dips and stuff can we, yeah. <laughs> can we actually, uh, yeah. actually buy? So I, I would, I would definitely echo that. It's all stadium. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I was reading this morning that avocado sales spike during Super Bowl and it coincides with the Super Bowl because you know, you have to get your, your guacamole in. So That's I thought crazy. that was, just yeah, I thought walk. that was wild. <laughs> That is crazy. Cool. Um, so, you know, we've, we've kind of alluded to this and uh, like who the Super Bowl ads are for. Um, you know, it, this is like the one area where you can get this mass media marketing for your company. I mean, you know, like as Jeff just mentioned, there's 114 million viewers in 2015. It's held steady around, you know, 100 million for the past decade or so. So it's really an opportunity for you to just get that really big upper funnel uh, marketing awareness. So if, if you want to get change brand perception with with customers, you can start to see that with a Super Bowl ad. It can really be an anchor to a longer term marketing strategy that you have. Um, so, you know, it's it's almost like the Super Bowl is for marketers, you know, in, 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 yeah. in marketing departments because it's, it's such a big event and so many eyeballs are on it. I can't even imagine how many like you know, downstream economic impacts of people that are focusing on the Super Bowl that that has just become this monster industry. But mm-hmm. it's it's definitely, you know, I, I found this interesting anecdote from from Vogue magazine. A, I think it's interesting that Vogue is writing about the Super Bowl, but B, this next stat makes sense why it's in Vogue is that roughly 18% of Americans that are watching the Super Bowl are only doing it for the ads, um, which... Mm-hmm. Definitely sounds right, you know, especially when you have this five, yeah, yeah, you know, this four hour game and literally a quarter of it is ads. So I guess, you know, that math adds up to the 18% that are only watching it for the ads. But I know, like, even at my business school at University of Rochester, our marketing association would actually do an ad bowl every year, I think like one or two weeks after the Super Bowl, where we would bring our marketing professors in and watch all of the ads. And then, you know, we'd have some beers and like, we'd all like be in a classroom with like all the finger foods and almost relive the Super Bowl again, but just break down, the, like listen to our professors break down the ads and, you know, what, what, what they were trying to do and like what the marketing Im- implications are. So it's definitely, it feels like a marketer's dream, you know, like literally like is it's a Super Bowl, you know, there's even that phrase, like it's the Super Bowl. Another interesting anecdote that Business Insider said is that, you know, because I was asking myself this question, like, do the economics make sense? Like, if I'm going to spend $7 million on this marketing campaign, is it going to be worth my while? Like, am I going to sell more widgets? Mm-hmm. Am I going to sell more beer if I'm Budweiser? Am I going to sell, like, more insurance if I'm, you know, name your insurance company? But, you know, studies have shown that the economics do end up working out. For example, movies that have trailers that aired during the Super Bowl were found to boost opening weekend sales, but more than twice the cost of the ad time, which is surprising. And I actually can't remember any movie ad that I've ever seen in a Super Bowl. Can you? Yeah, I don't know. Actually, now, now I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm not sure because they're not the funny ones, right? They're just like the, tr- the same trailers that you would see again, but you probably see them the first time at the Super Bowl or like, here's the thing. Not all Super Bowl ads air the first time during the Super Bowl. Sometimes they, they start happening before or, you know, they repeat them after. They already spent the money making the ad, so why not? So it's hard for me to pinpoint when exactly I saw like movie ads. But yeah, I'd, I'd also be curious as to like what you know, big movie, movie of the century, like maybe showed up <laughs> during the Super Bowl. For sure. It was probably like Paul Blart, Mall Car, Mall Top. You know? <laughs> it's probably something, <laughs> something really dumb. ridiculous. Yeah. Exactly. And it went from like 1 million I wonder sales if stuff to like two. Dark Knight or like Inception, like the big movies of, you know, the post 2000s, like if there was any of that that was on, like advertised during the Super Bowl. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard too, because like, I feel like, and this is a bit of a tangent, for, but like, I feel like movie season or the biggest movie season's summertime. Yeah, it's a little too early. Yeah, it's a little too early unless you have like an epic blockbuster. But I don't know if I would spend the money having Super Bowl ad. But anyways, that, I thought that was an interesting anecdote with movie trailers. And then um, yeah. Stanford actually did a study on specifically on Budweiser Super Bowl ads where uh, the Super Bowl ads for Budweiser boosted sales by almost twice what they spent on on their commercials. So that I can definitely see because... You know, one of the ads that I remember growing up with Budweiser, I mean, I can name tons of different Budweiser ads that I've seen. And this is before mm-hmm. I started drinking beer and I, I don't even drink Budweiser, but I know it because of the Super Bowl ads. So I can definitely see that because they created, you know, really like out of left field ads that just stuck with you. And this is, you know, dating myself, but before social media. And so, you know, you had just watched the game on a Sunday night with your family and then you were meeting at school to talk through it with your friends. And and you were all talking about the funniest ads that you saw. Mm-hmm. And you had that kind of like viral marketing. And you kind of needed that differentiation of like weirdness for it to stick for you to remember it. Cool. And I, I think like the, the the last thing I'll say about you know who this is for is because it is a lot of it for marketing departments at these yeah. different big companies is that this feels like an absolute must have in like any like large scale mass media campaign that's going to happen in like the first half of a year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like... Yeah, such a big opportunity getting 100 million eyeballs on your product. And I think the hard part for me, if I was like in a decision to make an ad or not, is like, does it meet the bar to, you know, to spend this money Mm -hmm. to to go? Because you're going up against like the best of the best of like other creative departments. So I, I don't know, Jeff, have you ever, you know, done any like work with an agency or anything with like, you know, in your professional career, at least with like at, like ads or marketing departments or anything like that? No, not me in particular, but I can definitely see where, you know, if you have the opportunity to put together an ad for the Super Bowl, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to, to do it unless it's really, really poorly done. I think we'll talk a little bit about some of the other ads that have come out that didn't have really good marketing expertise behind it and how they perform. But it sounds like for the most part, like even if you get anything back from doing a Super Bowl ad, it's usually worth it. Really interested to see how that how that shakes out. Awesome. Let's talk about the competitors in the space. So like, I didn't really know what to compare to the Super Bowl. So what I did here was I looked at other large broadcasts that had happened with large amounts of viewership. And if you actually look at this list uh, that I found, the Super Bowl dominates that list. I mean, it's <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. The only time that I saw on the list that were non-Super Bowl events were one, the the there was an episode of mash called goodbye farewell and amen and my guess is that was the series finale or the you know the the culmination of mash which was at the time like an insanely 
beloved and watched show that clocked in at nine. So <laughs> the first eight <laughs> were Super Bowls. And then all the way towards the bottom at 22 was Leon Spinks versus Muhammad Ali 2. And that was the 22nd most watched event. So everything in between and beyond was Super Bowls. That's That gives you an idea of the staying power of how ma- how many people watch the Super Bowl and how many eyeballs are glued to this one event. I mean, imagine if you can get 11, you know, sorry, typo. I mean, imagine if you can get 110 million viewers to look at anything at one period. Like, even if it was for like, in this case, like 30 seconds. I mean, you know, it's a long time to capture everyone's attention. And it's really hard to get people's attention in every day. I'd be curious about, you know... Right now, we're in this trend of Wordle. People are, uh, you know, playing the game Wordle. I'm curious about how many people look at Wordle every day and how it compares to 114 million viewers. But the crazy part is that 110, 114 million viewers are condensed in a three-hour span. So it's really impressive to just just get a third of the the country uh, to pay attention to one thing. Like that's that's super impressive. Totally, and I think it's especially even more so today where like media consumption is so fragmented and it's so you can choose whatever you want to watch. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to like, you know, gone are the days of you waiting until like 7 PM on a Tuesday to turn and tune into CBS. Cause that's like the, the survivor is, is going to be on. And, you know, yeah. granted it's, 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 it's still on. So you can do that if you want to, but it's like, you know, less, less, less of a market size there. So it's, I feel like live sports and television or live sports is like the only remaining like cash cow for television still like i don't know if there's anything else that you know has a standing power for this yeah let's um let's talk about our thoughts but let's do something different here i'd love to hear you know what do you think is like a couple of your favorite super bowl ads over the years and then maybe some of the ones that didn't land so well some of the least favorite ones Oh, totally. So I definitely suffering through recency bias here. So I, you know, I lived in my (laughs) wife and I lived in Boston for four or five years. And there's the Boston accent where I call it the conservation of R theory, where no R's can disappear. So they they say like, (laughs) so they, um, Hyundai did a TV commercial called Smart Pack, where it's, they, they were talking about the car's ability to park itself or to help you guide the car. So they had all these like famous Bostonian actors, like um, I think Mark Wahlberg, Jeff Krasinski of The Office, Jim mm-hmm. from The yeah. Office. And, and they basically just did a Boston like accent all throughout this. So that one was funny to me, but it must also might have been just personal because of I was, because I lived in Boston for, for a while. And then the other two that I have on here is Budweiser's Frogs. So Jeff, I don't know if you remember this one where it's like the frogs are basically communicating at a pond where one is saying bud the other one's saying yep, wise i remember this one yeah and the other one's saying er um, now i'm thinking of all the budweiser commercials like what's up yeah <laughs> like, we just did that for like forever forever um, yeah <laughs> like never stopped and then the, my, my last favorite super bowl ad is is google uh, so google did one and this is maybe like 10 years ago and already but it was how to impress a french girl and it was like super emotional like it's basically showing someone if you haven't seen the ad it's someone uh typing in a google chat of like hey how do you speak french um or like how do you say like we well, got to dinner with french and I'm, I'm butchering the ad but it's basically the evolution and the journey of them going into the moving into apartments and then having a kid like and you know showing that google helps you search and find you know everything you need to during life so i love that one it still sticks with me obviously i butchered it so <laughs> maybe it didn't stick with me as much as i thought it did <laughs> um but those are my, my top three i think you know, my least favorite ads. Um, it, I actually had to do a lot of searching for this because I couldn't remember my least favorite ads, which I guess is good because I forgot. Yep. Yeah. But I think generally 
GoDaddy puts on some pretty cringeworthy ads. Yeah. Um, but I think that's like their shtick now. And like they almost like have to do like a really cringy ad. And I think that's why I at least know GoDaddy is because of their cringy Super Bowl ads. So I guess it's effective because it's still like top of mind. I still remember them. Ex- yeah. Exactly. And then, you know, I didn't even know that General Motors did this, but I guess they did like a suicidal robot in 2007. So I don't know, maybe if our AI overlords, uh, you know, in 2057, see that maybe that'll become the downfall of humanity but who knows (laughs) yeah they're upsetting there yeah the GoDaddy ones are weird they were like it was like Danica Patrick in the GoDaddy ads forever Mm -hmm. and then I don't know if she's still like a brand ambassador for that company but yeah I was while you're kind of talking about that the the Google ad is called um, Parisian Love and I was wondering the, the Google commercial I remember a lot of is Dear Sophie which is about a guy creating a Gmail for his daughter when she's born. And he, over time, like writes letters to her and records videos of her first days and sends it to her and talks about all these things. And then when I think when she's like 18, he like gives her the Gmail account so she can like review all this stuff. It's like kind of like this, you know, secret that he keeps the, the entire time, which I thought was an amazing ad. I mean, it was like basically trying to promote Google Chrome and, and Gmail and it was like super well done, but it wasn't even a Super Bowl ad. So I, I was wondering if it was a Super Bowl ad. I was Googling that as you were talking. So for me, I think the Super Bowl ad that, again, some recency bias here. One of the one of my favorite Super Bowl ads that I remember that was really good was the Heineken walk-in fridge ad. I believe that was part of the Super Bowl. It's hard to tell because I think that was one of those ads that came out before, not in the U.S., and then ended up being in the Super Bowl. I don't uh, remember that one. What, what, that, what one was that? that one was the one where they're, you know, they... This this couple has a bunch of friends coming over for like a house party or they're just like really dressed up. I think they're like giving them a tour of the house. And this uh, the wife is like, oh, and here's my walk-in closet. And she opens up this like amazing, huge walk-in closet, super well organized. The girls are all screaming and, you know, in delight and enjoyment. Uh, and then they get overpowered by men screaming. Like they're like <laughs> screaming with joy. And the, the women's like, what's wrong? They don't understand what's happening. And it cuts over to... A similar experience with the men, but the men are, have walked into this giant Heineken walk-in fridge That's uh, that was a, like a that was filled with Heineken. It had like neon lights and like wall-to-wall Heineken glasses, and they're like also screaming and like there's a man crying like because he was so happy about this <laughs> beer closet. And then you see the wives like walk over like what's going on like because it was like more impressive than the walk-in closet. So I thought that was a really clever ad because it was like element of surprise, tongue-in-cheek stuff like that. One of the worst ads I'll say, or at least the weirdest ad that I've seen recently was, do you remember the Doritos 3D Flat Matthew ad? It was like Matthew McConaughey was like digitally rendered as like a flat, like basically a, a piece <laughs> of paper person. No, I burned um, that out of my memory. I don't yeah, remember that Yeah, it was at all. super weird. Basically, he was like, he went on um, a talk show and they're like, hey, did you, how did you get here? By fax, not plane? And then like, they're like making fun of him because he felt... He's like, I'm feeling flat recently. And then he like, I guess like slithers into, this is weird, like like a vending machine that has Doritos 3D and he opens a bag up and eats a Doritos 3D thing. And then he like becomes human again. And he's like stuck in the vending machine. That's supposed to be like the laughable moment. But honestly, it was really creepy. Like the the 3D, I don't know, the 2D rendering of him was just really odd. It was like really creepy looking, like yeah like a very fake version of matthew mcconaughey yeah it's just like something about it was really off it just kind of gave you like the heebie-jeebies it was a weird commercial i love it that's hilarious 
Awesome. Well, that was super interesting, Jeff. Definitely, you know, a little bit off script than what we what we normally yeah. do. So those are our thoughts on Super Bowl ads. And, you know, definitely reach out to us. Let us know if you like this format. I know that we'll definitely be making adjustments to the show. Probably won't stick with that, but it was super interesting to, to go and, and learn. But uh, you can find us um, on social media. We loved engaging with our audiences. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter uh, at ProdX Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should 